Hey team, welcome back to The Pillars, the podcast of the 363rd ISR Wing. In the studio today with... Chaplain Jim. Sergeant Jacqueline. And Dr. Jerry. And I'm Dr. Reed. And today we're talking about goodbyes. We're talking about significant transitions. We're talking about the endings of things. And I hate to start off on a bit of a downer here, but uh, we got some bad news in our family last week. Uh, my wife's father died after a kind of long protracted battle with cancer. Cancer. Uh, so it was, it was kind of a, a, a tough couple of weeks for us. Um, but, you know, it got me thinking about reflecting on goodbyes, endings of things, important transitions. And uh, I remember, I'm looking at you, Jerry, because we talked about this mm -hmm. a lot in graduate school as we were preparing to, you know, become counselors. Um, how, uh, you know, a lot of the work is about helping people transition through these difficult periods. Mm -hmm. But it just occurs to me, in our society, in our culture, we're really pretty good. We're, we're reared, we're acculturated, we're, we're taught, and we're trained on the art of the hello, right? Making first impressions mm -hmm. and how you begin relationships. And we have celebrations for beginnings of things, like weddings is a, an Babies. obvious one. Babies, right? Welcoming things. Mm -hmm. You know, and even within our wing, famously, the 51st IS has a rather epic, legendary kind of onboarding program where they really pay a lot of attention to individuals coming into their organization. So all of that is to say, uh, I think we do a really good job when it comes to beginnings of things and marking them as mm -hmm. important occasions. But we're kind of crummy when it comes to endings of things and, and marking things. I agree. And you said something earlier today that I uh, really latched onto, which was um, there's a beginning to everything, there's an end to everything. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we, that was profound to me because um, I think it's a pretty easy truth to absorb, but uh, so often we don't focus on the fact that something um, good or bad that's happening to us in our lives is going to end at some point, yeah. whether it be a relationship or a job or um, your current place in life and where you find yourself in terms of your purpose and identity. Um, those things will change and in some ways probably end and transition to something else. And, and so we were going to talk about um, trying to cage this mm. um, in terms of how it applies to, to our folks here in the military. Um, with PCS season com coming right up. around the corner, yeah, yeah absolutely. How, how do we say goodbye to what was and then prepare for what's next? Yeah, that's great. So whether it's PCSs or you know whether you're separating and going into the guard or whether you're retiring or whatever the case may be, um, in one sense we're accustomed to this. We mm -hmm. do this with some regular frequency, um, and yet we probably have some areas where we can brush up. We still can, uh, we can maybe do our goodbyes a little bit better. But I want to start you guys off with a question. Um, I don't know if it's an exaggeration to say that we have as many opportunities for hellos and goodbyes, but it seems like, Jerry, as you were saying, there's a kind of balance. Mm -hmm. Like if we say hello to something, we may have to say goodbye to it at, at some point. Um, so I don't know if this is an exaggeration, but it seems like we have a lot of opportunity for this. But what have you seen... Uh, in your lives or in your practices as far as people's efforts to short circuit goodbyes or transitions, uh, maybe when there's a social component, like what have you seen? What lengths have you seen people go to to kind of get away with not having to go through the goodbye process? Jackie. I actually just went through this with my husband. Okay. Right. We just PCS here a few months ago, about six months ago. But during that time, he retired. Mm -hmm. So there's a sense of hypocrisy. And I say that because when he was retiring, I was very adamant on, 
you should have a retirement ceremony. You served in the Air Force for 24 years. Mm -hmm. That's more than half of his life, right, as an airman. And I, you know, just reminded him, it's not necessarily about you, but people are going to want to come and tell you bye. Not only was he retiring, but we were leaving Colorado. Um, so he was very reluctant. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be the center of attention. I don't want to do all of these things. But I was in his head, yes, you will, yes, you should, because it's a big deal. Mm -hmm. And I say hypocrisy because I was so pushy, kind of, with him about a retirement ceremony. But at the same time, I had just PCS'd three months prior, and I was adamant with my boss. I don't want a going away. If we have something, it can be just our staff, something small. I don't want a lot of people there. Mm -hmm. And now that I think about it, I don't know why. Why was I so insistent on my husband having a retirement ceremony? But for me, I was like, well, it's not that. Do as I say, I'll not as I do. I'll just go off into the good night and PCS and you'll see me again or you won't. It's not a big deal. And you think about in terms of importance, you know, you were, you were demarcating a, an assignment while, whereas he was booking right. an entire career. That's a vast a huge difference. But I think there's an importance to a routine uh, or, or to have some kind of routine or some kind of ritual where you say goodbye um, to a phase in your life or uh, an identity that you had. Yeah, and this all relates to this concept of ritual, which is found in every spiritual tradition. And anthropologists have found it in every human tradition all around the world to the day, this date. And the word ritual comes from a word um, in uh, Latin. And essentially, it means <laughs> that which pertains to doing the right thing or the right way of doing things. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who like processes and, and routines, this is exactly what ritual is. So why would it work? Well, ritual's been put in throughout history for two reasons. When you encounter an out, a situation that has an uncertain outcome, Mm -hmm. and is beyond your control. So an uncertain outcome and beyond your control. So let's look at some of the things that it's are found. It's a way to reinstitute mm -hmm. control. Correct. Yeah. And so it puts control in there from a spiritual tradition. You'll find um, different traditions that would go out and uh, put incantations when a storm was coming because it's out of their control coming mm -hmm. in this big storm. You can think of even a baptism for a child. Well, why? We hope that child has a long and fulfilling life, but we don't We don't know, right? It's an un uncertain outcome and it's beyond our control. Really, we can control some pieces of it, but not everything. Mm -hmm. So in our lives, when we go to retirement or we get to PCS, like we don't really know what's coming next. And I'm not gonna be morbid. This could be your last time. It could be mm -hmm. your best assignment. It could be amazing. But all of these situations require some form of ritual. So in a transition, going from one base to the other, I've seen done, and this comes from the Japanese culture, they'll thank the home that you stayed in. Mm -hmm. And you may see this on a certain streaming service has a show right now about organizing that's very popular. <laughs> and that show, the individual will come in and bow and in a very secular way, but it comes across as a spiritual method. She will thank the home. Uh, for what it's done and kind of welcome herself. That's an interesting thing you could do with your kids even and say, we want to just want to thank you know this home or thank your spiritual authority for being gifted this period of time in this home. It might have been terrible. It might have been amazing, but thank for that experience. There's something to that too because um, believe it or not, I've got a, a two-year-old, almost two and a half, um, and he hates leaving the park, loves to play mm -hmm. outside, hates to leave it. And so we've gotten into the practice of saying, bye park, bye play. And he'll say goodbye to the swings and the um, you know uh, slides and everything else. Uh, but we've also gotten to say thank you. And ever since we started doing that, it's been so much easier for him to transition. Yeah, that's, that's really important when you talk about, Jim, you were mentioning sort of the uncertainty or the anxiety that can come up around transitions and rituals 
or repeating things like, you know, saying goodbye to the park. These are all things that sort of reduce that anxiety, reduce the uncertainty. Mm -hmm. And this week's five minutes, five minutes to thrive wrote about Mr. Rogers, right? And his television program and something you probably saw, like any kid who's watched a single episode or a, a couple episodes of Mr. Rogers knows with relative certainty what's happening next. Mm -hmm. When Mr. Rogers starts singing, that means the show is wrapping up, but he's telling us he's coming back tomorrow, right? So we're building in that predictability so that the, it reduces anxiety. But people will go to rather elaborate lengths to reduce the feelings of uncertainty, reduce the anxiety. Sometimes it, it comes off looking really hypocritical, like you were saying, Jackie. Mm -hmm. um, other times people will minimize the significance of the event that's just happened or they'll yes. minimize their feelings so that um, that they can kind of avoid whatever they imagine the discomfort around the transition or the goodbye will be. And sometimes they'll just concoct elaborate plans or rationales. They'll take leave uh, so that they don't have to be there for a significant event so they can avoid the discomfort that might come, they imagine, from saying goodbye to someone. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's all at a, in a way to try to reduce the discomfort associated with the, the transition. And we're using the word transition a lot, but I think um, we could also insert the word change and it'd be about the same thing. Sure. And one of the, the pieces of research I've seen about major life transitions is that there is a huge amount of stress that comfort, uh, accompanies not just um, you know bad things that happen in our lives, but good things when there's change associated with it. Believe it or not, getting married, having kids can be just about as stressful as losing a, a significant loved one mm. or getting a divorce. Geographical transition is right up there as well. And you think about the number of times that we may PCS in a career or retire. I mean, these are um, these kinds of things cause a lot of stress, even if we think that it's a, a really good thing. And so part of what we may be doing is almost trying to deny um, the griefing, pro the grief process that we're going through. Yeah. And we grieve all the time, but I think most of us just think of it in terms of bereavement and the, the death of somebody um, who we loved, which is, is pretty common, co common human experience, but we also grieve the loss of intangible things in our lives. For, for a lot of people, when I was working in the clinic, that loss was their identity as a uniformed service member. Mm -hmm. And as they were getting ready to, to separate and, and or retire and transition to, um, you know, from, staff sergeant to Mr. or Miss, um, there was a big identity crisis. Right. And I won't go too much into, into depth about that because we talked about it before, but I think part of the, the rituals that we have associated with retirement ceremonies um, or these goodbye gifts and, and events for people as they're PCSing is to help them through that grieving process and establish a ritual um, that reduces uncertainty and prepares them to take on the next challenge. Yeah, and even if you don't have a spiritual tradition, I would encourage you to find some kind of myth, some kind of even current fiction, science fiction, that has a hero figure and read it. And why we do this is when, when we identify ourselves with a hero figure, so whether that's somebody like Abraham who's making this journey, Paul in the New Testament, or maybe a current um, fictional character uh, that some theme parks are based around that flies this guy and has wizarding skills, <laughs> whoever that might be, when you recount and you identify with that person, we actually enter sacred space. You start to identify with that character and notice that your journey, which seems mundane, that you're mm -hmm. going through this mundane world, we're moving from house A to house B, becomes something 
more sacred, more spiritual, more mythical. And that adds something, a very positive feeling to it and it helps you to overcome the little challenges you'll run into. Like when you mm -hmm. first enter your credit card at your next location and you enter your zip code and you have no idea what it is. Um, those kind of things and get denied gas, which I think <laughs> everyone has experienced at some point in their military career. Like, what's my zip code? Like, I don't remember. And so um, I think finding some kind of spiritual figure to identify with, it, one, it has a great meaning, especially if it's your own tradition, but two, it really does change it from just the mundane to the spiritual. And part of what you're talking about is reframing. Mm -hmm. So instead of looking at it as, oh, here we go, another obligatory move, we're, we're gonna upheave the family or, or just my life in general, get rid of all, my, all the friends and the life I've established here and start all over. Um, instead of looking at it that way, you're looking at it as the next step in an epic quest that you're, you're undertaking and, and embracing all these challenges um, for the hopefully positive uncertainty of what the future may bring. I want to jump in here. I'm glad that you mentioned, you, you were kind of telling a story or an anecdote about clinic life. You know, mm -hmm. you see this issue. And I'm looking around the table and all of us has done some counseling, right? We've, uh, we've all met with someone who's maybe going through an identity crisis, which is something we've talked about in the past, or some kind of crisis, uh, some kind of change, right? A transition, a beginning and ending, that sort of a thing. And, you know, when someone comes into the counseling office and we're figuring out what it is that they want to do at that time in that space, we often begin with the end in mind, right? So versus your regular life in a therapy environment, in a counseling environment, we're very intentional, intentional about the goodbye process. And we often begin with the ending uh, in mind. And mm -hmm. so we'll say things like, hey, how will you know uh, that you've accomplished everything that you wanted to do in, with this time and with, with this space. What will your life look like? We get them imagining some future state. And as you progress through counseling or therapy, you know, you check in periodically and ask like, hey, how are we, what's your assessment? How are we moving forward? And you're using that therapeutic relationship that's developing to kind of see where they're at and see if, you know, some course correction isn't needed during that time and space that you imagine you have left remaining. But then you get towards the end or what you imagine should be the end of the relationship. Either, either the problem is getting better or it just kind of seems like this natural ending. Mm -hmm. And it's at that point when that relationship is ending that you'll see all kinds of interesting things. You'll see that kind of frantic avoidance uh, mm -hmm. because they, there is the sense that the relationship is ending. And so it's at that point that you'll see people will just abandon. They'll stop coming to sessions, right? Um, or things will pop up and they just can't make it this week. Or they Jerry, you to, were saying. They start to develop new problems out right. of the blue, be like, oh, I can't, we can't stop yet. I've got this new issue that's going on. Right. And I think it's a testament to this underlying idea that we're kind of crummy when it comes to goodbyes. Mm. And so therapy or that counseling experience, kind of like any therapy, whether you're talking about physical therapy, it's designed to help restore a person to a kind of level of functioning or get them to mm -hmm. a greater range of motion, either whether that's spiritually or physically or mentally, right? And so hopefully that counseling experience can be restorative. And so, but what that means is counselors have to be, take a very deliberate and focused look at what has this person done in the past, typically around transitions, goodbyes, endings of things, and how would they like that to look? 
Well, I like the therapy analogy um, for people who are, who are taking a very planful attitude towards their, their lives and towards their careers. But sometimes this change happens very abruptly mm -hmm. um, or completely outside of our control. Um, sometimes separation or retirement is, uh, for lack of a better word, forced upon us. Yeah. And I think that can um, really throw a person's uh, sense of identity or purpose in a complete upheaval. If they had, uh, I think we were talking earlier, if they've been planning on making E9 their whole career yeah. and now they're not going to promote and they're, they're being forced out, um, that can cause a lot of inner turmoil for somebody. And how they, how they navigate that, I think, is, is reflective of um, the thought process that they, they take towards transitions in general. I really think that a lot of the anxiety and fear that is associated with transitions, whether it be a new child or a marriage or a divorce, is the fear of finality. I mm. mean, even when you talk about death, like it is so final. And I mean, when you think about divorce, and even if it's something that people, this is what I want, this is what I need, this is going to make me happy, there's still a grieving process Absolutely. because it is the finality of this. This is, am I a failure because of this? So it's it's scary to think about certain transitions and mm -hmm. this is final. This is goodbye. This is whatever it may be in that particular situation increases that anxiety because it is so heavy. What was will never be again. Right. And so we find ways to try to hold on to that through through memories, through artifacts, um, some sometimes by not even giving it up entirely. And I'm not um, <coughs> calling out anybody who retires from the military and comes back as a GS civilian or a contractor. Um, but a lot of us do that because we're, you know, the time where our, our service ends, maybe we're not ready to give that up yet. Mm -hmm. And as, as uh, biological organisms, like we're motivated for homeostasis. We like to stay with what's, um, you know, the status quo and, and say, yeah, stay away from change. And so to some extent that makes sense, uh, but also limits our, our growth and our creativity. I'm glad you mentioned that. So to our listening audience, maybe you're sitting there right now and you're looking back and you're assessing, okay, how have I typically done transitions? What have my goodbyes looked like in the past? And maybe that's been affected by some traumatic or abrupt end to something. <coughs> or maybe, you know, maybe it's been the case for you that you've seen change coming a long ways off. Maybe you, you had a family member that was dealing with a, a terminal illness and it just kind of dragged on. Um, I want to get from you guys a sense, if you accept this idea that we could probably improve in some way with regard to how we do transitions and goodbyes, give me a tip, if you will, about how we could do this better. What would you tell members of our listening audience who are like, okay, I accept that maybe I could do my goodbyes a little better or transition better. What tips do you have for our folks? And maybe I can start off with one, all right? I would, I would say a couple of things. It's never too early in a relationship to tell someone what you value about them, right? You don't have to wait until mm -hmm. um, the, the goodbye to kind of let them know what meaning they bring to your life, what contributions they've made, how they've helped you, that sort of thing to give, you know, in, in essence, it's one kind of feedback, right? So there's that. Don't wait. And you often hear that. You often hear a lot of shame and regret from people who've maybe lost a loved one saying, I never got a chance to say goodbye. Mm -hmm. Or I never got a chance to tell them I love them, right? So there's a little bit of advice, if you will. It's never too early to start that process, to assess what that person has meant for you and share that. And the last one I'll say is just embrace the discomfort that comes up around these you know, uh, transitions. Mm -hmm. If need be, 
just go full awkward and embrace kind of the, the <laughs> goodbyes, you know, saying like, Jerry, you meant a lot to me. You're, the time that we spent together in the office, it's so awesome to sit with another psychologist to work that closely and just kind of bounce ideas off each other. For our listeners, Reed's trying to give me a hug right now. <laughs> uh. I would, but it wouldn't come across in audio too well. But I just want to say it, you're going to do yourself a favor and you're going to do others a favor by just embracing the awkwardness. You're, you're teaching other people that it, it can be a different way. They can share. I would say keep an open mind. Mm-hmm. Um, some things are just a transition is needed, right? Maybe we're at an installation and we feel like it's time to go, but we don't really want to go. Just embrace that transition. I think it will make the process a little bit easier and also just be positive about it because you don't know what's on the other side of a transition it might be hard and challenging and grieve you know grieving process at first but the other side of that could be for the better yeah so uh, for me this is going to come across really nihilistic but just kind of bear with me um, I've over the past several years, gone through a lot of growth myself, and so I've come to think about um, everything that's going on, not just good, but bad uh, as well. Everything's going to end. There will be an end to absolutely everything. And you think about that, in some way, shape, or form, all of our relationships are going to end, either through you know separation or death or, or what have you. Um, our, our jobs are going to end. That, you know, great boss that we have or that bad boss that we have or that wonderful supervisor, that terrible supervisor, that will come to an end at some point. It's not forever. And if you start with the end in mind, I think it helps you appreciate where you are in the present. So, you know, that doesn't necessarily count for things uh, that may end abruptly. I mean, um, unfortunate, unfortunate circumstances may happen, but knowing that I may only have a limited amount of time with um, my family, um, and the job where I am now with my friends, I'm going to make the best of it every day. And it really helps me stay in the present, um, knowing that I've got to make the most of things right here, right now. That's Jim, we're giving you the last word. last word I would say is to bring the context of spirituality to your journey. There's a guy named Joseph Campbell. He was a researcher, a mythologist that looked at different stages that are found in all myths and religions worldwide. He called it the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. And what I recognize, and what he recognized as well, um, is that we're all on that journey. And the reason we resonate so strongly with these steps that he published a long time ago, is, and they're found in every movie you love, every book you love, is because deeply inside of our souls, I believe they're written. So you are on a journey, you're on a heroic journey, and when you reframe the challenges you're going through as if you were slaying a dragon or a hydra, um, and you're not just dealing with a person day to day, it you're really not does with the finance make it, exactly. It's not the finance office. You're slaying a hydra, right? You know, big difference, and why that um, it adds something of spirituality to it, and it does reframe it, and it helps you to get through some of those difficult times, and to really, I guess, see yourself differently. Not for ego inflation, but help to push through those difficult times. So just bring some spirituality to your day is the final piece of advice. Well, as with all of these podcasts, this one is coming to an end as well. You probably have anticipated it for the last 22 minutes and 43 seconds. But hey, every new beginning must comes come from that. some other beginnings in. That's nice. right. Well played. Well played. So thanks for listening this, uh, this week. We encourage you to take stock of how you've done transitions, how you've done goodbyes uh, in the past. And from those insights, you know, maybe you make the decision to 
as Jackie said, not gloss over those important moments in your life, be they retirements or separations, but to mark them in some important way. Well, we just want to thank you guys for listening to The Pillars, the podcast of the 363rd ISR Wing. I'm Chaplain Jim. I'm Dr. Jerry. I'm Sergeant Jacqueline. And I'm Dr. Reed. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Next.